0: From Australia, broadcasting around the world. Around the world. You're listening to The Mitch Maroney Show. Here's your host, Mitch Maroney. Okay, welcome everybody. Today's podcast, we've got Tom Ma. Tom is a business lawyer in Perth, Western Australia. So tell us a bit about yourself, Tom. Well, thanks,
1: Mitchell. Hello, everyone. So I'm, I've been in business for now nearly 30 years, believe it or not. I trained as a lawyer, but I left law because I wasn't really too impressed with law way yeah. back and I, I went into operations and business management for about eight to 10 years in technology, a big background in technology and worked on the bell case as a technology manager. I had my own IT consultancy during the Y2K boom. I was a HR and systems manager for a financial services platform. But then about ooh, 18 years ago, I decided to come back to law, but not do litigation. I love doing creative work and making sure things work. So I became a commercial lawyer. So I don't do any court work. I try to keep my clients away from court, but optimise opportunities, avoid risks and understand things so they make informed decisions. I've gone on to write a lot of articles and I'm probably leading presenter in Australia of, of seminars for professionals and business associations. So as you'll probably work out during this, I like to talk. But hopefully share useful and valuable information. So I'm grateful for Mitchell giving me this opportunity to chat today.
0: Beautiful. And incidentally, that was actually how we originally met, was at a seminar. I think it was on a franchise seminar, I think was the first one that we met on. And um, yeah, it's it's been very fruitful since. So that's always good. Okay. So I suppose, tell us a bit about what you do at the moment.
1: Yeah, so as a commercial lawyer and as a true commercial lawyer, what you do is you cover virtually every area in business law that any business owner comes across, which is a bit like when they sit down with you, Mitch, and talk about a business plan. Everyone's very good at their core business that they do, whether it's services, goods, hire, or whatever. That's a given. That's why you're in business. But then to understand how a business works, you still have fundamentals. You you have your financials, you have your legals, you have your insurances, you might have a premises, you might have employees, you have plant equipment and, and so forth and systems and so forth. All of those things you actually still have to be good at in order for your business to ultimately be successful. And so as a commercialer, what we do is work very closely with our clients' business advisors and and key parties. So, again, they're good accountants like Mitchell and his team and then also their insurers, maybe some financial planners, maybe some other IT consultants, HR consultants, and so forth. And so what you do is you collaborate to ensure that you work with the client to understand what are their key issues. So often we deal with their business contracts, Mm -hmm. making sure that you know their terms of trade, and we should chat about that. Things where people are moving now, we'll talk a fair bit about the uh, terms at your website and your website terms of use or is that just a visiting place? So, But if you trade or sell something, you might need terms of trade on that and then do you have private information? So we've got that. Then we've got leasing like physical premises, but you also might lease goods. You know, equipment, they're very big things, they're important. We do loans and securities. So you, you might lend monies or borrow monies and are they secured by a mortgage? Please don't use a caveat or you register on the Personal Property Securities <laughs> Act. And then you've got employment. So you've got employment arrangements and contractor arrangements. And please don't try and make a contractor an employee and vice versa. <laughs> You're getting difficulties there. It's, it's like a dog and a cat. They're both pets but you can't breed them together. They are very different. We'll have a chat about that. We do estate planning, so putting together, obviously, your personal affairs, making sure they're in order. You work so hard through all your life. An unfortunate statistic is more people die without a will. You can imagine it's 40%. In fact, people spend more time booking a holiday online, probably not on a cruise ship anymore. Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> <than they laughs>
0: Otherwise, you may need a will.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what else? Setting up companies, trusts, shareholders' agreements, unit holders' agreements, a lot of intellectual property and technology law contracts. So that, that, I could go on, but that, that's, that's the core areas. And you probably go, wow, that sort of covers everything I do in my business. You might not need every bit, but
0: those are the things that we help. Yep. No, that, that makes sense. And, you know, one way or another, I would say most small businesses would hit all of those or majority of those, you know. And unfortunately, it is inevitable. Like estate planning, we're all going to die. There is 100% chance that's going to happen. And, you know, with the business, most businesses have a website like you said, is it just a visiting website or is it a e-commerce selling website? Mm-hmm. Different rules, etc. Are you collecting personal information? If so, the privacy act side of things. What else was there? There was intellectual property, which is a big thing, especially in IT and software development. Yep, you need um, your
1: trademark, your business name. You know, yep. you don't own your business name, but you need a trademark. Very important things as well for your brand.
0: Exactly, um, and especially if you're looking at expanding, well, there's many different ways, but expanding in a way that you've got third parties coming on board like a franchise situation, you know, they're buying yeah. the name and your intellectual property, so you have to actually own that. Like, that's kind of the important part there.
1: Correct. So, yeah. And contractors, if you don't have a good contractor agreement, then they own it.
0: So Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, And I think there's, there'd be a lot of areas where, People just assume it's one way, but in reality, it's not. It's the other way. For example, like the intellectual property on contractors, it could be them, they actually own the intellectual property and you're leasing it, whereas you think you own it and they just developed it for you and stuff like that. So I think it's a really interesting area in general and we'll go into it in a sec, but just the, I suppose the pitfalls that can occur, what sort of... I suppose, common pitfalls, do you reckon people can come up in small business?
1: Yeah, sure. In small business, the the main thing is, and I hear it all the time, when you start a business, they say, oh, look, I don't have, you know, and I, I respect it. I fully understand about financials and trying to get it going. And I say, oh, look, I really, you know, I know I need some terms of trade, but I just don't, oh, look, I'll do it. Everyone likes me and it's on a handshake. Look, everyone's in love on a honeymoon, but people get divorced. Problems yeah. happen. So not having a clear set of terms and conditions for your business, your trading terms on your terms is really problematic. Not to make me happy, but it's actually a clear rule book about how you supply it, what about returns policy, what about rectification warranty, you know, am I paid in seven days, fourteen days, do I charge interest in do I get security for payment if I give them extended to all of those things? And please don't go and get it off website or your mates. That's like, you know, as I say, you know, there's no law against home brain surgery. You can buy a scalpel and dental and watch a YouTube video, but it probably won't go. <laughs> yeah, not recommended. <laughs> not recommended. Not recommended. So terms of trade for your business or terms and conditions. The other one is going into business with someone. And it's very common, and it's how small businesses, and there's generally two or three types. You've got, you do it yourself, sole trader. We'll come back to that. You go together with a friend or a business, you know, and you, you both bring attributes, money, expertise, assets, whatever. That's a partnership. Or you use a company. Mitchell's the best person to advise you on what is the best structure from a tax perspective. They all all have good asset protection, but I would say sole trader, no, no. I okay. do understand as But everything you own, your car, your home, money in the bank, gets exposed if your business fails. So please only use a sole trader at the very, very beginning. You should almost always use a company or a trading trust. And again, Mitchell's the best one to advise you on that. And they can be formed very quickly, but please get those structures right. But if you're going into business with more than one person, generally more than one non-family member, then like a partnership can form even without an agreement. It forms under a law. And it's a really new law from 1895. That's right, 200 (laughs) years ago. Imagine how adapted that is to modern business. It's not. So what you need is a modern contemporary equity holder agreement called a partnership agreement. Or if you're in a company and you own shares together, you need a shareholders agreement. And it's no, it's not the constitution you get standard. That's just generic. Please don't think that solves your problem. You know, again, Mitchell to sit there and give you advice on how you value the equity and what happens if someone wants to buy in and wants to sell out. Because just like Mitchell said about estate planning, no one gets out of life alive. That's just a fact. Um, but business also, you do get a few options. Preferably you get out of life, preferably on your own terms and solvent. So you want to sell out. So your business succession plan is really... What happens if if something happens, you know, can someone buy me out or what do I do if someone wants to buy a little bit in, you know, sell down to a junior? So, these things are really important to have in place at the beginning. They're actually an investment, not a cost because I find when people do have a dispute or a problem or someone's died or business is going bad or something, they ring me up. The first question I said, "Do do you have an equity holder? Oh, no, I don't. Well, that's where... Actually, my role starts to change a bit and normally you've got to make litigators, and lovely people, some of them, but, but you just add zeros on the end of how much it costs to solve the dispute. Whereas if you'd worked with Michelin and I to put a good shareholders agreement, it's like building a parachute. You cannot make one when you're falling out of the plane. It's too late. <laughs> you've got to, yeah. So those are my big tips. Having your own terms of trade and having an equity holders agreement at the beginning. And again, when people say to me, and again, I've got enough work, so I'm, I'm doing this to share advice and recommendations To It's a bit like going to a doctor and saying, I'm thinking of taking up smoking. I'm going to tell you 10 reasons why you shouldn't and all the health benefits, but you're still going to get a bill even if you choose to go smoking. And when you come back and see me with lung cancer, I can do the surgery, but it's really expensive and no one's happy. Hope- yep. <laughs> so <laughs> There's the reasons why I stress these things. So investing in getting good arrangements in place is exactly that it's an investment because then if you do have those scenarios you've got a fallback and you've got clarity and in fact what they do is keeps the lawyers away because you've got a rule book there mm-hmm. the courts and everyone else will say well look, you've already agreed how you'll pay this we've already agreed the other party will return it in this time frame or so it really helps you with best practice and i think you know how many businesses would you say it's a, not a good idea to have a cash flow forecast and a financial budget when they start Pretty much none of them. They all should
0: should look at these things, and I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty that just go, "Oh, it'll be right," and then go with it. But I recommend they all work out roughly. You know, how much is your break-even point, and you know, all that sort of thing as well.
1: Yeah, it's it's fundamental, isn't it? Even though they know, oh, look, I'm really excited. And I've got all these orders, but you've got to put. But what a cash flow forecast! And I think that's a fantastic example of why Your business gets affected. You just haven't factored in. Oh gosh, I've got that rent coming up, and the wages, and the tax. And I've got this. Oh, I didn't. i got my first order. You can actually plan and run your business, and so having those vital financial tools. The same with the legal ones. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, you know, they're not sexy. They're not fun. But they are so important to the success. And all successful businesses are built like a good house. You want a solid foundation, which you can then layer up the next layer and grow. And when other parties want to come in or buy you out, when they see that in place, you'll actually. Receive more value for it. So, yeah,
0: 100%. And I mean, like the budget and stuff, like we said, with the legal terms and the shareholder agreement and that side of things, get it done at the start. You know, at honeymoon, everybody's happy. You can agree on everything while everybody's amicable. It's all good. Because, yeah, if you're in the middle of getting divorced or, I don't know, your partner's died and their wife suddenly wants half the business or something like that, it is a lot harder to deal with that at that point, as Tom mentioned, probably litigation yep. and courts and all sorts. Whereas if at the start, yeah, you invest a little bit of money, you go, okay, well, if this happens, this is the outcome. If this happens, this is what we do. It is what it is. You've all signed it. You all agree. Move on. So, yeah, and that goes the same with the, the terms and conditions, which I'm sure we'll go into in a minute. But say if accounting, for example, our terms and conditions are in our engagement letter. And so you're not coming to us just to do the tax return and we do it and then it's all sweet, which is the essence of it. But that form as clients we get you to fill out is how long do you have to pay us, for example? What happens if you don't? What's our responsibility for the information that's put into the tax return? What's your responsibility? Do you have to keep, does say in there you have to keep records, but it says Everything in there, so the entire arrangement between you know Moronian associates and the client is broken down from a legal point of view in that document. Who's right to who's where, all that side of things. So yeah, it might only be just an individual tax return, and you made twenty five grand, but that whole transaction is based off of all this other information and agreement, essentially from both sides, whether it's the consumer or us that's what it's worked on you know and if we do something wrong we've signed that we agree to those terms and conditions just as much as they have and they can say that or vice versa you know and i think that's really important and a lot of people don't weight it as heavily as it really should because that can imply everything you know as i said how long do they have to pay you do they have to pay you interest if they're late do they cover costs if they're late? like They're just basic things.
1: Have they undertaken to give you all the information you've requested that you're relying on in order to prepare your returns for them and everything like that? It's a two-way street, isn't
0: it? Yeah. If they sign and state that they've provided us with everything and we do it all, prepare it based off of the information provided and then 12 months later something that was never provided comes out of the woodwork and then they get pinged, you know, we've done what you've provided, here's the evidence, etc. And I mean potentially that you wouldn't have that as much security if it wasn't signed that you provided
1: everything to us so absolutely going through emails and he said and we said so it's just about clarity it's about certain that that's why you have contracts it's not that you don't trust each other it's actually to ratify so that as time goes on if, if i tell you a story today Mitchell, and then i get you to tell that same story to someone else in two weeks time do you think you'll say it word for word in what I told you? To no, that? no. Well, we all played um,
0: Chinese whispers or telephone or whatever they call it now at school. Yeah. And even telling three people down in a row, it comes out as a different story. So,
1: yeah. Even with the best intents, that's that's right. So that's really important. And and probably on those, just finishing on those points, and I'd I like to chat on about employment and contractor agreements a bit more detail, but the best way to look at getting those things done and the reason why I'm harping on about it is, comes from experience and, and why I don't like litigation and why I don't want my clients to go through because they don't make money out of that. Yeah. Is that, that a lot of people say, oh, well, I can't afford to do it. It's only a startup business. Well, it's like having a child. You don't expect when you create and have the privilege of being a parent or or owning even a pet that that's going to bring you money in the early instance. You've got to feed it, clothe it, educate it before you get a return on it, if at all. But if you look after it nurture it and grow it well, your company, your business will look after you well, all right, and it's how well you invest in it. So getting good advice and getting good structures and getting all these arrangements, I mean, to try and take you out of a sole trader or a partnership of individuals into a company, Mitchell, say three years down the track and it's worth, say, $200,000 or more, you get a bit of a nasty tax surprise, don't you, in transfer yeah,
0: duty? Yeah, there can be all sorts of issues, yeah, transfer duty, especially if the three partners in that situation aren't the three directors in the company. So one's sold out, one things get messy. Whereas if you go yeah. at the start, let's just say in that situation, do it through a company. You've got three directors, three shareholders. They just can move in and out relatively easily without having all sorts of problems. So it's definitely worth at the start or near on the start, getting the right structures, getting the right systems in place just for best practice. Yeah, it'll cost a little bit at the start, but it'll save you a lot in the end.
1: It's proper budgeting because... I get people coming to buy businesses and they go, I've agreed the business purchase price and I'm doing all this. And I said, this is the first time you've done it? And they go, yeah. I said, have you budgeted for things like stock, working capital, transfer duty, advice to face? What are they? What, what, what? I said, I said, you'll need those. They're not optional. They're part of being able to run the business. And I said, that's why you need a good accountant. You need to get that budget. You need to then understand what you're borrowing, what you're actually getting and how you get it. It's all exciting and especially when tr- someone transitions from being an employee to being a business owner, even if you've worked in a business, doesn't make you qualified at it. I'm not, I'm not saying don't have a go at it, but go and get advice. Go and get advice of someone like Mitchell and his team because, as I said, the best university to go to in life is experience. It's just the fees are very high. So <laughs> what you want to do is actually invest in it. People go and buy home and contents insurance and think that's an investment all their life. The chance of your house burning down, you'll you'll win lot over four that happens. Honestly, statistically, it's true. But the chance of something going wrong in business or whatever is much higher and we're trying to lessen that, especially in the first couple of years. And so it's great that Nichol's having this chat with me because I want to share this information. This is the sort of stuff you can see what I'm passionate about. Because we want successful long-term clients, you know, that grow and succeed and and optimise them for legitimate tax minimization. You can have better structures. You can have better salability. Everything is better.
0: You've been listening to The Mitch Maroney Show. Mitch Maroney Show.
1: Stay tuned for more.